Hello and welcome back to Polliver, a BMX podcast with Chris Doyle. I apologize for the gaps in these interviews. I haven't had a lot of time to travel lately and I haven't had a lot of time to stockpile interviews. Therefore, I'm not really releasing anything with a lot of regularity. And I'm just kind of doing these things when I can, when I have the time. But luckily, the summer months are upon us. I have uh, a couple trips lined up and I have a couple interviews lined up. So hopefully I can start releasing more and more of these things and maybe stockpile some more over the summer and uh, continue to put out some good content. My next interview is with Anthony Napolitan. Anthony, as far as the guys that I've interviewed so far, Anthony has the most competition success. He's won the world championships. He's won the Duke Cup. He's won X Games medals and so on and so forth. So he's definitely the most accomplished in the competition forum. So uh, really interesting to get his whole take on on that and in coming up in the in doing contests and you know winning the Dew Tour and the the first uh, or the second year of the Dew Tour. And it was really cool just to talk with Anthony about um, growing up in and around Youngstown, Ohio. He was a Section Eight local and. Anthony was just one of a lot of guys coming out of that area, coming out of you know the Cleveland, Youngstown, Rust Belt area that really could have done something with his riding, and he, you know, he persevered. He really um, focused hard and, and made a few adjustments to his riding and a few adjustments to his lifestyle, and, and really, you know, became one of the the heaviest hitters when when. If you could do well in contests at at the time when he was doing well, it really paid off. So. Um, it, it was, uh, I think a lot of people already know Anthony's story, but it was, it's been fun for me personally watching him come up and be the, the kid that he was at the skate park to the rider that he is now. And we talk about, you know, where he's been, where he's at, where he's going and all that good stuff. So, uh, this is a really fun interview and I hope you enjoy it. This is Anthony Napolitan. All right. Anthony Napolitan. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, man. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan. <laughs> on and off the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Um, this is going to be really fun um, because you're one of the kid. I don't want to call you a kid, but you're one of the guys that I've really seen go from be being like a, a skate park grom to being you know one of the the best riders in the world, one of the best contest riders in the world, and uh, it's been really fun to watch that whole transition <laughs> and. Uh, Let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, let's set the stage a little bit. Let's talk about Youngstown, Ohio. Actually, <laughs> you're you're from like the suburbs outside of Youngstown, correct? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm from the suburbs, a little town called Austin Town, Ohio, which is technically a township. Okay, <laughs> so it's that small. <laughs> How far outside of Youngstown is that? It's pretty close. It it literally. Um, borders downtown Youngstown in a sense. Um, well, it actually borders like the west side of downtown Youngstown, but it is like if I drove there from my mom's 10 minutes okay. from downtown. Um, Youngstown is a pretty raw place. It's and raw. tell me if I'm wrong about this, but because um, I've lived in Pittsburgh now for almost 20 years and there's a certain mentality with towns or with cities like Youngstown, Ohio, or any any city in that Rust Belt area. Yeah. And it's that whole, like, why try mentality. <laughs> Am I right? 
Yeah, yeah, uh, there yeah. is that. There, t- I, I actually kind of forgot about that because I feel like I was the opposite growing up, you know? Okay. But, you're, but you are right. Yeah. Okay, well, that's... Um... And I think, I think growing up, too, I fed off of that because I just wasn't into it. It just seemed super negative to me growing up, you know? Well, that's good because it's so easy to fall into that. Where, and when I, say, when I say the why try mentality, it seems like a lot of people from these places have this mentality where it's like, if there's even like a 5% chance of failure why would you even try it? Like, why, like, why try when you can fail? Like, just go the easy route. And uh, right, yeah. so I always wanted to know if it was more difficult to come out of a place like that. But you kind of already answered my question. If you were growing up with like a positive state of mind, then that really wasn't a problem for you. Yeah, but it was, it, it still was tough because like I, I had like a pretty good group of friends and even the ones that I rode with, some of them still, even though they were doing things that they were trying all the time and probably the percentage rate of failure was way worse than 5%. Um, that I'd still find them in situations where they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm like, dude, come on, let's do whatever it is we're doing, you know? Okay. Um, but you still, you still get it even when you put yourself in a, I don't know, positive place as well. Right, right. Was it like a gnarly place to grow up? Be- uh, and again, I ask this because Youngstown is... A pretty gnarly place. You've been there. I mean, uh, at one point, it was what, the murder capital of the country? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So where we grew up in Austintown, um, it wasn't super bad. There was, you know, there was crime and stuff just like everywhere else. Um, But if you went to Youngstown, you knew, like, the certain sides of town not to go to. Okay. but yeah, all the suburbs were were pretty safe, I'd say. It wasn't a place like, you know, where we are now in State College where some people don't lock their houses or cars or whatever, okay. you know. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to give you the chance to like enhance this story like, yeah, man, it was rough like on the streets. <laughs> okay, and- so where, where where I grew up it wasn't super rough, but I mean, I've definitely been in some predicaments with people over over the years in downtown Youngstown where it was crazy. Um, the year that you won, I'm not, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but the year that you won Dew Tour, the Dew Cup, mm-hmm. I remember my mom saying, like, that kid's from Youngstown? Because she, <laughs> she grew up um, really close, and not grew up, uh, but she lived really close uh, to Youngstown in a little town called Greenville, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was where I was born. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, so she knew all about Youngstown. She's like, that kid's from Youngstown? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a, kind of a different place now. Because I mean, um, when my mom left there, it was like the height of the depression yeah. of uh, when like all the steel industry went under and everything. But um, I remember Joe Cup telling me stories about living in, in Youngstown. And, yeah. and those dudes have some stories. I would love to get Joe on one of these podcasts just to listen. He was just here the other day. I, dude, I saw. Because um, he's a really good storyteller. He he's got amazing stories. Him and Steve Luckett are yeah. great storytellers. That would be really fun. That's a good idea. And these are the guys that own the uh, own Section 8 skate park together. Steve Oh, we'll Luckett get there, bro. Cup. Don't, we will. don't jump wanna, too far ahead. I just want to tell everyone, you know. Um, but yeah, that's an open invitation to uh, Joe and Steve. Be on my podcast. Do it. Um, as long as Luckett doesn't have to get on a plane and fly somewhere. That's good. He doesn't like to fly? Yeah, he's never flown and doesn't like it. Oh, okay. First, yeah, whatever. But um, Well, Joe was telling me the story one time about, like, uh, he was at a buddy's house, and they're just hanging out on the porch, 
and he sees this this car drive by with some you know uh, sketchy looking characters. Yeah. And as soon as the car drives by, someone lights off a bunch of fireworks. And Joe's like, "Whoa, why why are we lighting off fireworks?" And he looks at all his buddies, and they all hit the deck. And jo- oh, yeah. Joe's like, "What's happening?" And like, he doesn't realize it, but. It's a drive-by shooting. Right. Those fireworks are gunshots. Yeah. And I was like, and you're just sitting there? He's like, yeah, I'm just sitting up in my chair. And like, all my friends are like hitting the deck. And there's, you know, bolt holes <laughs> in the house behind me. I'm like, dude, that's gnarly. That, is that yeah. like what Youngstown's about? And he's like, yeah, man, it's crazy. Um, there was a time, I'm trying to, re- there, was a, there was an event going on at Section A, and I'm pretty sure it was a video premiere. It, it may have been Square One video premiere. I can't, I can't really remember. But, um... There, the party was the after party was in downtown Youngstown, and at I was not old enough to be in the bar, but I was in the bar, <laughs> and um, we had so Jay Loychek and I we were splitting um, splitting up a crew with like Chase Hawk, Randy Brown, and Chase Dehart because Chase was Chase Hawk was like riding East Coast trails a lot that summer, and then they wanted to come to Section Eight and just ride for a couple weeks or whatever so you know chase would stay at my house and he'd go to jay's and d Hart would come to mine or whatever it was you know and uh we all went downtown for the after party and uh we used to go to this place um man i'm trying to remember the name of it pogo's no that that was one of the places but the premiere wasn't at pogo's it was at um man what was it central cafe or something weird like that and um the the premiere's over, the bar's let out, and in downtown Youngstown, the bar next to the premiere bar, which is always filled with like skaters and BMXers, the bar next to it was a predominantly African-American bar that was like a rap bar. Okay. And they would always, obviously, like last called, come on, everyone would leave. So both bars let out, all hell breaks loose. Oh, jeez. Um, there are these big, like, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my hand gestures. <laughs> but uh, there are these big, like, planners made of pretty thick cement in downtown. They're everywhere. They just have them everywhere with, like, trees in them or big bushes or something. And uh, as soon as the bars let out, all hell broke loose. And next thing you know, people are shooting guns. Oh, my God. So I've got, like, Chase, Chase, and Randy tucked away behind this planner with cement and uh do you remember tattoo jeff yeah he was involved in that fight as well and i think he got his head run over by a car oh my god yeah he was okay he's he's still a gorgeous man (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah and i just remember in that moment chase hawk looked over at me and was like i'm never coming back to youngstown again (laughs) And he never did. <laughs> that was the, that was the end of it. I think anyone that was involved in like a, a shootout might not return to that area True. again. Yeah, Can't but wait. it was that was definitely that's probably one of my more crazy, like downtown Youngstown slash BMX experiences. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk about BMX. We don't have to talk about Youngstown no, this whole time. Um, but a lot of love for Youngstown and what they did <laughs> for the BMX scene. Uh, Let's talk about early BMX beginnings. All right. Because um, to me, like I don't know much about you prior to Section 8. Was right. there like an Anthony Napolitan on a BMX bike prior to Section 8? There was, yeah. Um, and I'm, I think I've told this story probably a million times, whether it's been on, I don't know, newspaper, TV, podcast, written interview, whatever. But um, I was into team sports growing up. 
So I played football mainly, and I was in middle school. And one of the kids on the team had a BMX bike. And every day after practice, he'd like grab his bike, and a bunch of buddies would like come into the parking lot. They'd like ride flatland for a little bit, and then they'd just like kind of pedal off. So one day I asked him, I was like, yo, what's up with the the bikes, like, what do you guys, what do you guys do, you know? And I had seen, like, the X Games on TV before, but, like, living in Ohio and in, in Youngstown and Austintown, which is even smaller of all places, I just didn't think that was, like, a thing where I lived, you know? And um, he was like, yeah, like, we, we go and ride street, and um, I have ramps, and we have dirt jumps, like, down the road, and I'm like, no way, that's cool. He's like, yeah, you have a bike, and I'm like, yeah, and I had this, like, Huffy with a one-inch steer tube and just total crap, you know, Kmart bike or whatever, and uh, he was like, come over this weekend, and, like, we'll ride. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went over there. My bike was just not up to par with their bikes. They had, like, six Schwinns, you know? Yeah. Because we had a Schwinn shop where I grew up. And um, the kid that invited me over uh, had two bikes. He had like, um, what was it? He had a Hydromatic, which was Jay Miron's like complete bike that you could buy. Yeah. And then he also had a, oh, what was it called? It basically it was BF's like uh, Blue Falcon version, but it wasn't a Blue Falcon. It was like the same level complete as the Hydromatic. Was this kid rich? Um. He wasn't, no. <laughs> Two bikes, He wasn't though. rich. Yeah. He, had, he, had, he lived in a normal house. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he had two bikes. And he let me, like, ride the Hydromatic because it had pegs and stuff. It was heavy. 50-pound okay. bike, you know? Um, but, yeah, he had grind ledges and a quarter pipe, which to us is, it's a, it was a kicker ramp. Okay. Really. But um, I learned double peg grinds and feeble grinds that day. And then I jumped... They had uh, three jumps in a row, and I jumped the first jump, like my first day, and I was just hooked. I yeah. was so psyched. Oh, that's right. And that's kind of where it started. Um, I ended up, I think, mowing lawns and shoveling driveways and saving birthday money and stuff so, so that I could go buy a Schwinn. And I ended up getting a Schwinn Predator, which was like the race frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it because we rode dirt, and I thought that's what you did, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had a Schwinn Predator, and then someone actually stole that out of our garage. Like, my my bike and my brother's bike got stolen. And at that time, I don't think my brother was super into BMX, but it was just another bike in the garage, so they stole it anyways. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up getting, like, homeowner's insurance money for it, I think, and I ended up buying a Powermatic, which is, like, the level below a hydromatic so it was like the it had pegs a gyro and stuff and and yeah we just rode we rode everything we rode flatland um we rode street we rode ramps which were my my buddy's like kicker quarter pipe in his yard and and uh but we mostly rode rode dirt that was like the thing so it was like a basic day for us was like going to the trails riding and then we'd ride street at night Hmm. So that was kind of growing up. That was before Section 8. Like, I think at that time when I started riding, Section 8 wasn't um, established yet. And they had a skate park in downtown Youngstown called The Warehouse. Right. I've seen footage of that. Yeah. And that was like uh, in some abandoned 
condemned building and it was like on the third or fourth level of this building i guess hmm. and uh they were it was pretty sick skate park from i had never been there one of the other kids that i grew up riding with went once or twice but um it was pretty sick from all the videos and photos that i saw yeah and i know they threw like tvs off the roofs and like did all kinds of really crazy wild stuff there <laughs> were they actually like was it like a, a, a skate park that you pay to get in or was it just like a spot that they had to be honest i don't i don't know i'm a I don't know if they made people pay to go in it because technically I don't think they were even allowed to be there. Okay. I think they just like they went into this building and figured out how to turn the power on figure like they didn't even have running water like Luckett had some kind of like crazy water system that he made out of trash cans and PVC pipe. Oh my God. And like, you know how Steve is. He's like just comes up with these ideas and makes it happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time they got like a new, uh, a new urinal at section eight and it had like this tricked out like uh, sensor on it yeah. i'm like where'd you get the sensor he's like i stole it i'm just like okay <laughs> um sounds like it but okay so you were riding bmx prior to, to section eight i was yeah. so um yeah. learning a lot about you already yeah and we rode a lot of flatland too so like i don't know for instance like if we on like a bikes over Baghdad trip or somewhere where there's like a flatlander. I like grabbing like a flatland bike and just doing what I know how to do on it, which it really isn't much. It's right. like, you know, a lot of scuffing and pivoting and weird oh, stuff cool. like that. But um, yeah, I, it's funny how like I learned those tricks over 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, you can just grab it and kind of still do it, you know. But uh, yeah. That was life before Section 8. I, uh, I learned how to do decades, flat ground decades, mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger, when I was a kid. And I've always been able to do decades. And I was over in Latvia last summer, and I was, hang I was hanging out with Will Stroud. Yeah. And we had just wrapped up uh, the production on, on Simple Session for the, the summer edition. And I was like, oh, check this out. I, I was like, oh, check out this uh, decade, Will. And I went to do the decade, and I got like stuck halfway. So I'm like, like over oh, my yeah. bike, like, oh shit. And I just, I ate shit so hard. I like elbow dropped the ground, oh. the concrete and all the production people were like, oh my God, <laughs> our host just <laughs> totally killed himself. He's gone. But that made me think when you're like, yeah, I can still do all that flatland stuff. Yeah. Like, I can't. Uh, decades are the one thing that I didn't really learn though. Well, don't um, bother. They're dangerous. Yeah. And that was kind of part of the reason I wasn't ready I, I always saw like a couple of my buddies that kind of stuck to flatland, like learning decades and they were falling hard. And I was like, oh man, I think you fall harder when you're like only three feet off the ground yeah. as opposed to rolling the windows down in the air. Yeah. Which I still think that's the truth. <laughs> but um, I never learned them. I, I was just, I could never commit, them, commit to them. I'd like put my foot in between the top tube and the seat post and like do the endo and, and rock back and like, oh, just yeah, yeah. not doing it. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to skip anything too important, um, but I want to get to section eight. Yeah. Because that's when I, I first started seeing you. Um, tell me about your, like, your first few visits to section eight and, and uh, like what that was like for you and like was it yeah. like just the biggest game changer? It ever? was, I mean, it was super overwhelming and uh, it's funny because when I first started riding Section 8 up until the point where you moved to Erie or were at least visiting Erie for the winters or mm, summers I was always visiting. one of them yeah yeah um 
the skate park had gone through so many changes. So the first time I went to Section 8, um, they actually had just put the bowl ramp. Or no, the bowl ramp wasn't there yet. Okay. Um, and I don't even think the bank to wall was there either. It was like the four-foot box jump, the vert wall, the five-foot box jump, and then it was an eight-foot quarter pipe on one side, and then it like angled and transitioned down to a six-foot quarter pipe. Okay, I remember that, yeah. I read um, that a couple times. Yeah, so it was different because we didn't we didn't have ramps to ride we were like totally carving the quarter pipe like a berm and like pedaling our hearts out to not even front wheel case the box you right know? Um, so it was a huge learning curve um yeah man it was it was crazy it, i mean it was cool because like there were we got to meet a lot of people that we didn't know rode bmx and uh we got to see people really ride bmx like to be honest, like one of my f- very first impressions of someone really riding BMX was at Section 8, and it was seeing um, Joe Cup do Supermans over the box jump, the big box, wow. and Catfish doing Decade Airs over the box jump. Over the big one? Yeah. Holy shit. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that old setup. I came up to visit Todd in Pittsburgh, and it rained, and we, we ended up going to Youngstown. It was like that old setup, and I remember I watched Joe Cup ice pick grind over the, the kicker. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like d- across, down, yeah. across kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. I was like, damn, dudes are good here. Yeah. Um, and we and it's funny, because Wessel was uh, over here the other night, and we were kind of talking about that stuff, too. And, uh, and Nate was just talking about when he was building the park originally, and he was like, yo, you you dudes know you have like the craziest skate park here like they like those dudes in youngstown like told nate what they wanted and nate started building and he thought it was crazy well yeah those it was always and once they like built everything up once they did have the bowl section once like the eight foot quarter was like all the way all across, the way across yeah. uh, and they had the, the bank to wall like i remember going there and i'm like damn this place is gnarly and it's like you guys didn't even realize it cuz you had grown up totally riding big ramps yeah and uh i think i remember thinking the same thing I'm like these guys have no idea like all these kids are going to get really good yeah real fast and we were, i was having this conversation cuz jay loychek was also here the other night oh, and um i was having we were having this kind of similar conversation where um Man, what were we talking about? We were talking about the mini ramp and how awesome the mini ramp was um, for us, right? But not for like people first coming to ride it. Oh yeah. And I was and I was just saying how the mini ramp was like the best mini ramp ever, and uh, and I think because we were so young and we grew up only knowing how that skate park was, that we didn't realize like how good of riders we were then. We just thought we were like every other like bike rider riding any other skate park somewhere else until we left like that area and we were like oh crap you had to have been like if you went to changa you had to have been like wow, ceilings are really low here <laughs> um but but the locals at changa were really good too good in a different way right totally um i always felt like the the locals at changa world were like a lot more technically like they could do a lot of like yeah, a lot whips of peg and, bonks and yeah, yeah 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 oh with the the peg like the Brankachinsky yeah. peg bonks and all that stuff like, and, it, and i think it's just because the ceilings were so low <laughs> um but yeah dudes at section eight were like blasting 
Right. And yeah. case in point was uh, Jay Lojcik, a name you've already mentioned. I remember going there, and he was airing, like, okay, so it's a, how tall is the spine? Uh, six foot tall. Okay, so it was a steep. Yeah, coping Six coping, foot tall, coping to coping spine. doesn't really exist unless you go to Woodward. And he's airing up right near the heater. heater. Mm-hmm. Like, his head's, like, even with the heater. And the heater was, like, a good 10 feet above the spine. Probably farther. Maybe 14? It's up there. Yeah, I, because it, it's literally, so... If I can remember, I, the vert wall at Section 8 was like either 16 or 18 foot tall. Okay. And that ran up almost, you know, to the center of the build, like the apex of the building. Um, so the heater was literally like chained as high as you could go Yeah. on that side of the park. So it was up there. It was six foot ramp. And then I would say off the top of the coping, it had to have been another like 14 feet above the coping. Okay. So it was a pretty big building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the roof, it was not like, you never felt yeah. like you were going to hit the roof or anything like that. But I remember vividly like watching him ride the spine. I'm like, he's going to, if he goes to the right a little bit, he's going to hit that yeah. heater, no doubt. Um, but I mean, you guys had every, every nook and cranny of the park dial. Him, him, Jay, Chris Bennett, and Jay Miron, I think, are the only people to hit the heater. Oh, really? In the, on the spine. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember Bennett could ride that spine really well, too. Oh, my goodness. Um, so good. And I remember when the McNeil demo came and, and Miron pedaled in. From the from the other end of the skate park on the 8-foot, yeah. dropping into that sub and just blasting threes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I f- so I don't know if we skipped too far ahead or what, but, I mean, you're a Section 8 local, and there's, there's, a, there's a good grip of Section 8 locals that are all ripping around the same time. Yeah. And, I mean, in general, I mean, there's kids between Cleveland and Youngstown. I mean, what would you say? Like, two dozen dudes that all could have made it. Like, all had, like, pro potential. And the flow, too. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, and Columbus, too. I I think Columbus was a little bit... Just because it was, like, it's like a three-hour drive, I think. Right. From Youngstown and maybe two from Cleveland, but... um, Maybe I associated uh, Cleveland and Youngstown together because that that whole Rust Belt thing. an hour away. Yeah. And same same with, I think, Pittsburgh, too, because if you were coming from Cleveland, a section eight was an hour. If you come from Pittsburgh, it was close to an hour as well, maybe a little more, right? Yeah. Used to drive it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, every Tuesday we'd tread? Yeah. Um, but, so tell me about, like, your crew. Like, who was your regular crew when you are you know, in your, your formative years when you're, yeah. like, you know, a lot more comfortable on your bike, obviously. You're not yeah. doing a lot of flatland anymore. But, like, who was your, your, your posse? Um, well, it was Jay Loichet. Nice. Uh, Steve Cuesta. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Steve would, like, because I, I didn't... I mean, I got my license. In Ohio, you can get your um, permit at 15 and a half, and then you can drive at 16. Okay. Right? Which is a lot earlier in compared to other states, I've heard. Okay. Um, so for many years, he was driving from, like, um, a city on... It was, like, three cities away. He'd come pick me up, and then we'd go to the skate park. So okay. we were always... He was always picking me up. <laughs> okay. Um so yeah, it was. Dude, that we're gonna we're gonna try and dig deep here. It was a uh, Cuesta, Jay Loichek, uh, Sal, and Pat. Oh man, yeah, I forgot about those guys. Um, obviously Joe Cup. 
Man, who else was? But in Joe Cup and Eric Sargent. Oh, yeah, Sargent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like Joe Cup and and Luckett, they were quite a bit older than you guys. Yeah. And yeah. Catfish as well. Yeah. Like, because you guys. S- same with Pat and Sal too. They were a bit, but they were always they were kind of always there. Like Pat, Sal, BJ, Joe, Steve. I guess that would be their their generation. Okay. I guess the generation coming up with the skate park, it was you know Jay Cuesta. Eric Sargent, um, this dude, Rudy Linder. Okay. Um, man, I'm trying to remember some of the other names. There were a lot, though. Well, in a Grant Berger. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I know who all those guys are. Because I, I used to be up there all the time. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, every time I'd come back, I'd be like, man, these dudes got, like, so much better <laughs> from the last time I was here. And we've already talked about Lojcik, like, airing up near the spine. Yeah. Um, that dude Rudy would yeah. always be doing some weird stuff. Yep. And then Cuesta, ah, man, Cuesta was so unique. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. I, th- I think Cuesta is way more appreciated now. Like his riding style might be more appreciated now than it was back then. Because yeah. back then, um, like you and Lojcik and even Rudy and Sal and like you guys got, all had like a very similar style yeah. like just blasting big airs uh, big tricks but Cuesta had some like new age different shit his bike looked different yep. he rode different he acted different yeah um, he's creative very creative and a little bit kooky and I don't mean that in a bad way but like back then being kooky you're kooky Right. Now, if you're kooky, it's like, man, that dude's pretty cool. He was a little ahead of his time. It's funny because there's a lot of tricks that people do now, and I'm like, of course I did that. Dude, totally. 15 years ago um, or more, you know? Dude, the 360 <laughs> fast plant that he would do over the box. So sick. Like, I was like, his legs aren't that long, but when he would do it, it's like his leg grew an extra foot, <laughs> and he would, like, plant it. Like, this is a... Like a five foot tall box. Yeah. Um, and you've got to go fast to clear. You've got to haul ass at it. And he would do that 360 and like plant his foot in the middle and then clear the box jump. Yeah, he'd, like, do, he'd do like an alley oop three like across a box jump. And, and then he would take his inside, well, no, I guess it would be his outside rotating foot off, fast plant. And then get back on the bike, yeah. like super smooth. I've never and seen clear the whole thing. Never seen anyone else do that. Yeah. Um, he's blasting backflips. Yep. He's got his seven twenties. Um, yeah, and his bars were super far back. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw him, like, dude, did you like wreck and your bar slip? He said, no, that's how I run them. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa. Okay. And as he got older, they just progressively got farther and farther. Yeah. It's like the opposite of Nastasio. <laughs> They're going in different directions. <laughs> yeah, they are going in different um, directions. Yeah, like five forties on the eight foot, um, and yeah, like you mentioned the yeah. the seven twenties, like his necks all contorted and everything. Yeah, there was the one year um, at Metro Jam. It's like two thousand five, I think. And Cuesta killed it. Yeah, he should have qualified like top three, but he didn't make the finals. And I was like, How? I saw, I saw, dude, I saw him the next day, and I'm like, dude. I'm so sorry, but you killed it yesterday. And he was like, he was so confused. He's like, that was the best I could ever ride. Yeah. He's like, I, if I can't make it with that, what, what the hell am I doing? Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, don't, dude, you just got robbed. That's all it is. <laughs> like, everyone was stoked. Like, and everyone was talking about him because he's doing the Spider-Man shit on, yeah. the, on the fence. Yeah, like he's running across the wall with his legs and his arms off. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> people didn't know what to think. Like, should I applaud or should I just like... 
I, I, the people are just so confused. And maybe that's why he didn't get the scores that he deserved. But like, if he did that same run today, or if he was doing those same runs yeah. today, like, oh yeah, finalist, no problem. Like, yeah. people love that stuff. Totally. Like, like my uh, my friend Mason. Yeah, you know Mason, Mason Ritter. Yeah. Like, he's doing all the weird kooky stuff right now, and everyone's like, fuck yeah, something different. I love it. But it's like. Uh, like even Mason has mentioned Cuesta before, and I yeah. remember I was on a trip with Dennis Anderson, and Dennis was like, "Dude, Cuesta was one of my favorite riders growing up." I'm like, "Really? Why?" And he's like, "Oh, dude, his style was just so different, so unique." I'm like, "All right," <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll end it with uh, Cuesta had a tattoo on his shoulder called King Shit. King Shit, yeah. Um, but anyways, this is your this is your <laughs> podcast, and I'm sorry that no, no, I like talking no, about all the locals. Is, no, and, this is part of it, um, and I and. To be honest, the, the thing that I like most about Section 8 and, and having um, all those really talented riders to, to be around and feed off of too was just the progression. It was so much fun. And, it, and none of us, aside from Jay, I think um, Jay Loichek and Will Morris were the only ones out of us that could afford to go to Woodward. Okay. Um, so they were like kind of the only two that ever went there and Jay you know how Jay is he's he he just likes to progress in his own way yeah. he's never really like a big trick guy but he'd progress in oh this year Jay's going six feet now yeah. he's going ten feet yeah. on the quarter pipe yeah. you know um, but yeah the, the camaraderie was always really good well like I said I used to come up on Tuesday nights to section eight and like it was just like Tuesday night murder fest. Like we're gonna just murder the park, and like you, you guys would be going off. And as I was, you know, a pro rider, and I'm like, I, I need this energy. You know, I need yeah, to be yeah. a part of this. Gets and like, you pumped. I progressed, and it was always just so fun riding with you guys Dude, and, and watching you guys progress. But you know, as things evolve, as, as things happen, I mean, Section Eight, you know, eventually uh, was going under. Yeah. But at this point, you had started going to Woodward pretty regularly, right? I was, yeah. Um, I graduated high school in 2004, and then I moved out. I, I went to uh, college for one semester in downtown Youngstown. Okay. And then I got the opportunity to move out to Woodward for the summer. So I did that in, uh, I think I went out there in 2005. Okay. And well, because I remember you riding Dew Tour in 2005, the, yeah. the inaugural year. Yeah. Um, but you didn't have really good results. You, I didn't. No. Okay. I had the moves, but I couldn't put it together. Okay. Um, I literally, in points, I think I was last in points okay. in 05. Oh, wow. So we're going to, this is going to be, a, this is a good arc right now. We're going to start at last place. Yeah. And uh, you know where we're going. I do. <laughs> but, um, so, wait, what were we saying? Uh, to, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I started going to, to Woodward around 2005. I, I had gone um, in the past. There was a CFB con. Remember when BF did his first tail whip? Oh, yeah. At Woodward oh, yeah. East? Uh, I went to that CFB, and I was going to compete in expert dirt, but I sprained my ankle, and I couldn't walk. So that I kind of blew that Woodward trip. And then... Um, we went to X Games. Jay Loichek and I went to X Games in Philly. I think you remember this because we were like, Chris, Chris. We were in the stands yeah. and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm a big superstar these, up there. These guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, right after that, Wessel was like, dude, you guys should come to Woodward with me after. And we're like, no way. So like Jay's parents like drove us to Woodward after X Games. And that was the first time. That was uh, 2000 and. 
two X Games or maybe 2003? Yeah, 01, 02 was Philly. X yeah, Games. so it was 02. I'm like, I always go back to this uh, picture in my head of the X Games poster that they give you when you walk through the doors as a spectator. Yeah. They give you like a rolled up poster. Yeah. So I always go back to that on my wall and I'm like, I think it said 2002. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we went to Woodward and that was like kind of my very first time uh, like riding it for a day. It was cool. Okay. Yeah, it was um, good. But 05 is the year that like I got to go there a bunch. You, I'm trying we to... We had to learn things the hard way at Section 8. It, Asphalt, flooring. Um, <laughs> the place was gnarly in yeah. every way. Like if you fell, you lost so much skin. Oh, yeah. There's a clip of... It was uh, like the roughest asphalt you could ever pave. They went on, on Road Fools 3. They yep. went to Section 8. Or 4. They went to... Was, oh, four. yeah, it was 4. It was 4. Yeah. Um, I forgot you're kind of like a no, prop, props historian. Um, <laughs> but now I remember like uh, Van Homan ate shit. Yeah. And you see him drag his knee across the ground. You just see the skin. Yeah. Like just. Yeah. You see the mark yeah, on the ground. Come off his knee. Like that stuff was brutal. Yeah. Um, you kind of had to be like that. That was the thing growing up when I was a kid, like learning tricks. Like we didn't have foam pits or resis or anything like that. It was like either build like a, a dirt jump and do it, which that wasn't something we really did. Because the biggest thing we could ride was Section Eight, yeah. And um, but you really had to visualize what you wanted to learn. Watch it over and over. Watch your favorite guy doing this trick. Like learn it in your head to the point where your body's convinced it can do it, and then you try it and hope you don't land on the asphalt. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fully. I remember. Like uh, I, I brought a, a friend of mine from Erie to Section Eight. Excuse me. And. Uh, he had never dropped in on an eight-foot quarter. He's like, I can't ride here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is pretty gnarly if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but um, so you start going to Wood... In 2005, mm-hmm. you spend the whole summer. At yeah, Woodward. so I... Where yeah. were you staying? Like, where were you, like, in a, in a cabin or what? <laughs> so um, the whole reason I got to go to Woodward and work there was because at the time I rode for Hoffman Bikes uh, and... The co-sponsor of Hoffman Bikes was Right Guard and Target. Okay. And um, when I went to the CFB in Oklahoma in 2005, which I think it was in the spring of, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, uh, I got to meet a woman named Kathy McGrath. Yes. And uh, for whatever reason, she just loved me. I don't know. We, <laughs> well, you're a pretty lovable guy. <laughs> we, were, we, uh, we became really good friends. And uh, she called me one day and she was like, what would you think about living at Woodward Camp for the summer? And I'm like, what? This is crazy. I'm like, that would be amazing. I was like, but at the time I, I, uh, I worked in Youngstown. I drove, I worked for a heating and air conditioning company. And I drove uh, big like steak body trucks around with either brand new uh, air conditioning units or like stuff to install uh, in businesses or like I would pick stuff up from job sites, take the scrap yard or bring it back to repair it, whatever it was. Um, so I was like, I think I was making like $350 a week. Nice. Uh, and I told her, I said, man, I don't know. I was like, I work this job. If, you know, if I could, if I could make like 350 bucks a week, then I think I can do it. And she just laughed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she goes, I think you'll be able to do it. 
I was like, all right, cool. And I ended up, they ended up paying me 500 bucks a week. Oh, damn, that's sick. To be out at Woodward. To live at Woodward. Yeah. Now, since you're living at Woodward um, for that summer, was it kind of like a plan? Were you like planning to like dominate in 2006? (laughs) Um, Because you, to me, it seemed like overnight. It was like... Yeah. All, like I, I knew Anthony as like you know Section Eight kid, super good. I, I'd seen that contest, and like like you said, like you had the moves, you just couldn't really put it all together right, yet. Yeah. Um, but was it like kind of a plan to like le- I'm going to learn these tricks, I'm going to dial them in, and then next year I'm coming out and I'm with the heat. So leading leading up to that, um, like to that year 2005, where I went out there. Excuse me, all of. 2000 not all of 2004 but there were a couple trips that like Cuesta and I or just me by myself where we went out to Woodward and it was because um when I was just like you when we met when I was a kid I met Kevin Robinson and uh he just saw me riding I I wasn't afraid to like go up and introduce myself to people because they're I see pro riders and I'm like holy crap it's Kevin Robinson it's Chris Doyle that's Chris Bennett, whatever, you know. So I always wanted to, like, meet these guys and just say, oh, hey, I'm Anthony. Like, yeah. And then we end up riding and become friends, right? Yeah. So Kevin was, uh, I don't know, just stoked on my riding and me being polite, I guess. And he he had given me his number. This is probably back in, like, 2002 as well. Okay. Um, and he was like, anytime you want to come out to Woodward, like, call me. He's like, just call me whenever. We'll catch up. So I would call him like once or twice a year and just like say, hey, how's it going? Catch up, whatever. Um, so right around 2004, when I turned um, 18, I, was, I could actually go there by myself. You mm-hmm. know, That was the thing. Kevin was like, when you turn 18, call me. You can come out to Woodward anytime you want. So I think we went out there like a handful of times. And that's when I started learning like front flips and some of the other crazy 360 stuff that I had like dreamed of learning you yeah know? so when i went into 2005 do tour like i had the moves but i wasn't aside from riding like contests at section eight i didn't really have that much contest experience i think i rode like one vans triple crown in cleveland and that was like the first con- big contest i ever rode okay and um so when i went into do tour like i could do the moves so i just couldn't put it together um it wasn't really like my master plan to do that but i think after riding do tour and failing in uh louisville kentucky and then failing again in denver i think it just really motivated me to want to learn more and just like dial my riding in for whatever reason right. i was just like i don't know i just got that motivating feeling you know and we were like watching all the do tour events in bud's barn at woodward like when you guys were all there and not that i was really like studying runs but like i was just like sick like it was in my head you know yeah and then i literally spent all oh five of summer like riding like a madman yeah people would i mean as as we all know pittsburgh's pretty close to woodward but yeah uh, people would come to pittsburgh and i'd see them like at, at the trails or something like that and I remember one kid, he's like, yeah, I was at Woodward last week, and Anthony Napolitan front flipped over the high jump bar. And I'm like, what? He does front flips? And he's like, yeah, he does really good front flips. I'm like, 
he did it over the high jump bar? <laughs> he's like, yeah. And it was like, the high jump bar was high. Yeah. And I'm like, Anthony? Really? <laughs> and uh, that's when I was like, oh, Anthony might be like a big threat next year. And then like more stories just started coming my right. way. And uh, I think it was like the last Section 8 contest. Like Section 8's yeah. closing. Yeah. And... You were there. I hadn't seen you in a while. Yeah. And yeah, because you were traveling for contests and all that stuff. Because I think the final event was in the fall. The final event of what? At Section 8. Okay. It was um, in the fall. But yeah. So I had been trapped trapped away at Woodward all summer, and you were competing. I was on the traveling. scene. Um, you were on the circuit. But I remember <laughs> watching you ride. I'm like, oh, my God. Anthony's getting really good. You're doing the no-handed front flips over the, the box jump. Yeah. Um, you did that 360 transfer out of the spine. Or I'm sorry, yeah, out of the mini, out of the mini into, into the, the box. box slip. I was yeah. like, damn, he's going to be... Like, I, re- I remember, um, I forget who, I, I drove up there with my friend uh, Andrew Little. And I was yeah. like, dude, Anthony's going to be like one of the best guys next year. I was like, you watch. And he's like, really? You think? I'm like, yeah. Um, because the front flip was so hot in those first few years. And... I never, and this is me being honest, I never really liked the front flip. Yeah. I don't like watching a lot of guys do it. There's three people I want to see do a front flip. And that's you, Corey Bowen, and Matt Berenger. Because Berenger's the OG. Nice. He's the dude. Um, but I just always think front flips look kind of sloppy. Like people like, you know, twist around a bunch. Some and they, people get pretty wild. And they wrangle them around. And I don't want to, I'm not going to call anyone out, but... I was always thought like you and Bowen like did the perfect like you stay perfectly straight. It looks good. It's consistent. Well, thanks, Chris. I, I'm just you know <laughs> keeping it real. I'm, um, but for the most part, I never really liked him. But I saw I was like, damn, he's got a good front foot. That's gonna take him pretty far. And um, sure enough, 2006, Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, it's on. And and it was pretty cool because at the end of um, the summer at Woodward, I. I didn't want to leave. I was having a blast. Um, I made a ton of friends, and a lot of those guys that I was friends with um, lived at Woodward full time, and uh, I was just like pumped. I just wanted to be there. So I think I um, approached Andy Alvarez about it, and I was like, "Dude, I want to stay. I, I really don't want to go home." Yeah. It's like I don't want to. I don't want to go home. I was like, I saved all that money that I made um, over the summer. It's like I'm pretty sure I can survive on that. Yeah. You know? And uh, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll put a word in for you, you know? Right. And uh, he put a word in, and I stayed. And, dude, we, I worked, though, when I was there. Like, it wasn't like I was freeloading or anything. Right, right. Um, dude, we were stuffing mail for weeks, months. Oh, wow. Um, dude, doing some sketchy stuff, changing light bulbs at height on extension ladders. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cleaning foam pits out. Ooh. Pressure washing skate light. Gnarly. Yeah, we were we were working. Yeah, so it was an actual job. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, when when summer camp came back around, I went back to doing what Target wanted me to do, which was be a Target representative for yeah. camp because they also sponsored camp. Yeah. Um, so my my job was pretty simple to be honest. Um, it was basically like ride with the kids. Um, reward them for like progression or just being cool kids so Kathy every year would send me like a milk crate of Target gift cards oh wow yeah they were all $10 gift cards like dude thousands of gift cards yeah and uh, I, I would pass them out to campers I was always hooking the staff up with them because you know they 
they don't live the most luxurious life through summer camp. They need they need things from Target Dude. too, you know. Dude, I love it's a Target gift card, man. That's like <laughs> yeah, gold. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my deal: just be a good representation of the brand and yeah. stoke kids out, stoke the staff out. Sounds like stoke a dream pro job. Riders out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went when winter was over. I went back to doing that, and and I did that a couple a couple cycles. I, I bought a house in in two thousand and eight. So I was literally living at Woodward from 05 until 2008. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, 06, 07 was like contest domination time. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Well, well, 06 was some serious contest domination. Well, time that was, sure. uh, I remember <laughs> in Louisville, um, you had to go through the open qualifier yeah. and everything. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is a funny memory that I have. But... At that time, you were driving a Chevy Cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> and you win the dirt jumping contest. You, you virtually, I mean, I don't think a lot of people knew about you. I mean, obviously I knew about you, but like, yeah. um, I remember after you won, like, I forget what first, $15,000 yeah, or something yeah. like that. I remember Buddendeck comes up to me and goes, man, 15 grand. Imagine how he's going to trick out that Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was losing it. I was I like, love deck. It's like that is a <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um there was no trickery. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you, I think after that year. Um so you you just went stop by stop, but was it like all top 3, top 5 finishes? Yeah, uh for the most part I uh won the first one and then I took second place at Denver. And then Portland I got third. And then San Jose, uh, I didn't do, I got seventh in San Jose, still made finals and stuff. And then that fired me up because I had the points lead up until San Jose. Yeah. And then Parslow pulled ahead into the points oh, yeah. lead. And then going into um, Orlando, I was like, I was literally, I trained. I was <laughs> training for real. I was at Woodward and I was putting in some serious work on the tricks that I already knew how to do, but I was doing, I was putting work in on other tricks too, like just in case I needed to. Well, right, you want to, and plus you want to have those tricks so consistent that you can almost do them blindfolded. Totally. You never know if it's going to be windy. You don't know what the jump setup is going to be like. Exactly. Dude, one year in, uh, I think it was Portland when you front flipped the long and low. Am I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, that was the gnarliest front flip I've ever seen. I'm sorry, but like, because you shoot down the roll in and. I mean, it was just a skipper. Yeah. And uh, no one was tricking it. It was like turndowns and I, the backflippers could backflip it. Yeah. Which was cool. Um, but no one was really doing anything else on it. But yeah. I remember you front flipped it. And uh, I don't know if you did it in the contest or not, but you did it in practice. And you're like, yeah, I don't really like it. But I was like, that was fucking gnarly. <laughs> this, I mean, it's only a two foot tall jump. Yeah. It was, I remember it being pretty sketchy. Um, I knew if I did it in the run, it might it might just blow the whole run, you know. Yeah, but dude, that was like one of the gnarliest <laughs> front flips ever. Um, and I don't think anyone ever like really mentions it or anything. But I remember standing there, I'm like, whoa, dude. I threed it um, in practice, and I did it, and I was like, that was the fucking scariest three I've ever done in my life. And TJ Lab was like, dude, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Like similar to your front flip, right, like yeah. I I could just blow my whole run right there, you know. Yeah. So. Totally. Um, um, what were we saying right before that, though? I had something in my head that I wanted to say. We're talking about... Oh, yeah. Do, so go, go, just going back a Orlando. minute to, to Orlando. 
So I was, uh, dude, I was pretty fired up and I went in there and I was like, I'm winning this contest, I'm winning this contest. No joke, like the first day of practice, I had a good practice and then, cause back then we had like five days of practice, mm-hmm. I think. We had a lot of days, oh, at yeah, least four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and dude, I got sick, like bad. I was so sick, couldn't even get out of bed sick. And uh, I kind of like battled through it and I made it to the practice that we had right before finals. So I think it was like, had a, a lot of time for practice before the final and then a big break. And then you got, we got like a 30 minute warm up before they started the show. And I was like, not that I was mad, but I was like, all right, I'm gonna, yeah. I literally went up there, rolled in my first run, did the run that I wanted to do. Like first run, didn't even take a practice run. Yeah. Did my run and then I just went and chilled in the athlete lounge until Damn. it was time to ride. I was just like, and that's the craziest headspace I've ever been in. And it wasn't nerve wracking or anything, but I was just very like tunnel vision and set on winning that event. Well, yeah. And then it, and then it worked out. And it paid off. I was pumped. Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to be like a top tier contest rider, I don't know if there was a better time to have been, I mean, because right now if you're the, I don't know if it's, if it pays off as well anymore um, to both financially and like in sponsor interest. But to, in 2005, six, seven, eight, like I'm, I'm basically the years of the do tour. Yeah. If you're gonna be a top contest rider, that was the best time to be it. Um, and I'm sure you know that because you got the, the license plate to prove it. Um, <laughs> do people give you a lot of shit over the license plate? Dude, the license plate thing was not my idea. It was Andy Alvarez's idea. To get do cup? On yeah, the, okay. yeah. And um, I thought it, I mean, you know how Andy is. He has he has the best sense of humor, and he's super funny. Yeah. And uh, dude, when he said that, I I just laugh. I swear, I laugh for like a day straight. And I was like, okay, I have to get it because it's just it brings that much happiness to me in a joking sense. Um, but no, I never really got any any crap for it, really. At least not to my face. <laughs> um, but uh, it's funny though because like behind the scenes of the do tour and i i heard this story from from someone behind the scenes many years later um they were super psyched on it because that was like a turning point for them when they were like yeah the, the at like that was the second year in they're like the athletes are like love this tour they're embracing it like they embrace the brand like look at he got this license plate or what you know what i mean like yeah. that was like without us knowing that was like a cool Kind of like they saw that we were stoked on it. Yeah, you know? dude. I was, so, who knows? But, my bank account was stoked on it. Yeah, same, mine too. Dude, they paid for my wedding. They put a roof on my house. <laughs> Not I, to mention, too, back then, like, you get you got, like, sick uh, sponsor contest bonus incentives. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Those were good. Good those days, the days. <laughs> Damn. If anyone wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> sponsored by Mom, Mom Wines. Yeah, we're um, Pouring back some Sarlos and Sons. Shout out to Keith Sarlos. Yeah. Uh, for the great wine. Do we actually know that person? Uh, I don't know if you've met him, but you've seen him on Heath's, Heath Pinner's stories a lot. Oh, okay. Shit. He's, right. uh, him and Carrie and Heath, uh, they're good buddies. They all live in the same town. Okay. Uh, well, pull the, pull the wine in closer. Yeah, we'll, there you we'll, go. We'll yeah. plug him. Like, let's... Boom. There it is. Well, we don't want to block anyone. We'll yeah, just, true, We'll have sorry. it right there. Try not to knock that over. <laughs> um, 
again, the YouTube experience, you can see what we're talking about. Otherwise, yeah. you have no idea. Um, so you're the Dew Tour champion. You bought a house in State College, as you already mentioned, in what, yeah. 2008? Yeah. 2008. And it seemed like you had a good thing going. I mean, you did yeah. have a great thing going. Why, why move out to Cali? Why go to the West Coast? Um, there, were, there were like a handful of different things. Um, I, th- I mean, we were sessioning pretty, pretty hard back in those days too. Even in, let's say I moved to California uh, beginning of 2012. Okay. Um, we were still having heavy sessions. It was like Ronnie, Seth Klinger, uh, Brandon Dosh. All those dudes lived at my house. So there was no shortage of like people to ride with. Yeah. And they were all pretty heavy sessions. No, those are some gnarly guys. Yeah. And Dosh is super competitive as well. So he and I were always like pushing each other, both, you know, riding dirt. I think he won, pretty sure he won a Dew Cup. 2010, Living right? under my roof. Yeah. Was it two- okay. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was 2010 or okay. maybe 11. I can't remember. No, it was 10. I remember vividly 10. because he won it in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I remember that, and again, I'm going to make this all about me, is because I needed to get like, I don't know. I needed to make finals to get into that. Because if you got top 10 oh, yeah, for the yeah, year, you got, you, the got, you got the bonus check. Man, bonus checks. I know. I was like, I got to get, because I had a wedding coming up. Yeah. I, I got to get that bonus. I needed that bonus. And like, sure enough, like I got, uh, I think I got like fourth or fifth. Yeah. I remember you got second, right? Uh, In Vegas. Yeah, I did. D- yeah. Dosh won. Yeah. Um, and then he won the Duke Cup. But, uh, but I remember I did well enough, like made some cash. I got wrecked that night. I just called Denise like, I can afford the DJ. I can afford the buffet. I can, like I'm just naming. I'm going, and I'm going out tonight. Yeah, I'm going out for the Hard Rock, and I think I was in bed at midnight. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, you were talking about your sessions out here. Oh yeah, and uh, and why move to California? Um, yeah, you know, I think I was falling into this routine that um, I was kind of starting to get agitated with. Like maybe maybe not agitated, but I was uh, the cha- the the thing that feeling you get for change was starting to build up, and it was like it was hitting that high point where like it was gonna boil over, you know. Okay. And the thing that actually like kind of spawned the whole me moving was Ronnie moved out first. Okay. So he. Oh yeah, he was living in San Diego, right? Yeah. So he moved to San Diego to film uh, his market part with Dennis and that crew for two years okay he lived in San Diego and that was the moment I realized like I think that I always just felt like I was stuck in state college because I bought a house Mm -hmm. all my stuff is there you know what I mean Um, but that was the moment where I was like "Ah, I don't have to stay here like I, I can move anywhere I want like what kind of regret will I have in life if if I don't move to California and I stay in State College, Pennsylvania forever, yeah. you know? And, and there was always a big part of me that wanted to move to California so badly because those were some of the first ever, like, plane trips that I took were to go to California and, and ride trails in the winter. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? And, um, and yeah, that, that's what kind of made me do that. So I, I rented my house out in Pennsylvania for a year or two before I sold it um, but yeah I I just kind of told the dudes and 
they were bummed. Brandon ended up moving to California with me. Um, where did you guys move to? We moved to uh, Costa Mesa, where okay. I still currently live. Not the same house, but okay. um, yeah, we moved to Costa Mesa. It was uh, me, Drew Bazanson, and Brandon Dosh. Okay, I remember this time period now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, we moved to Costa Mesa, and just yeah, I don't know. I was stoked. Well, I'll rewind a couple of months. So I moved to California in March of 2012. Um, I moved out of state college, like, I think in October of 2011. And I actually went back to Ohio and I stayed at my mom's for three months or whatever that is. Okay. And so I was like going up to Ray's and riding Ray's a lot and kind of having, kind of like having a lot of fun riding all that stuff, you yeah, know, cause yeah. I hadn't done it in a long time and, uh, and just riding with old friends and stuff. And then I... Got in my car uh, January 1st, I think, and I drove to Austin, Texas. And me, Brian Hunt, Adam Alois, and Seth Klinger rented an apartment in Austin from January to March. And we had like Lima and Matt Priest and Bob Manchester and all those dudes staying as well. You lived with Bob Manchester? Yeah. Wow. It was sick. Dude, that's gnarly. It was so awesome. Dude, Bob's a wild dude. I know. I... (laughs) Love Bob so much. I, I mean, I love Priest and Lima too, but dude, Bob is a, he's just entertainment. He is pure entertainment for hours. It never stops. Yeah. Lima, you know. Lima and Priest are amazing dudes. Like, yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I spent some time with uh, Lima over in England uh, a few years ago. And we like just drove around, like, hitting different trail spots. It was the yeah. best. And, but like, Bob's that dude, like, if you go out with him at night, it's like, this could, this whole night could go south. Buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> like, he could make, like, going out to lunch gnarly, oh, right? totally, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't know you lived with those guys. But, yeah, we, we all lived in Austin. Uh, just spent a ton of time out at Eastside helping those guys, riding bikes, having fun. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I was traveling a bunch, too. There was a lot of uh, contests in New Zealand going on then. So we were flying to New Zealand doing those come back to austin rough so, life yeah Damn. it was tough but it was it was really good and then when our lease was up i packed my things and continued on to california damn that's awesome and that's where things that's where the new chapter started i guess that's awesome being like young professional you can kind of go <laughs> wherever you want like yeah you're just a young dude killing it you can yeah. do whatever the hell you want i mean you kind of did a similar thing too you were in north carolina for a long time and then you picked your stuff up and moved to pa yeah yeah I, I wish I I think it would have been cool to have lived in California for a minute. Yeah, um, yeah. I but, mean, that's why I wanted to. Like I said, I, I I thought that I would regret not doing it, so I did it. Oh yeah, no, that's that's totally awesome. I, I totally forgot that you lived in Austin for that time too. Yeah, that is not in my notes. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a pretty it was it was a super small blip in the timeline, but. But I fully remember it now. Now that you were talking about it, I remember yeah. that like you guys living down there. And... Yeah, it was so much fun. And and Brian Hunt was there too. He was also there pretty much full time. Okay. Um, and mm. Brian and Seth basically, out of that crew, they just they never left. Right. Seth lives in San Antonio, but uh, Brian still lives in Austin. Seth lives in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what what's he doing out there? Um, he's going back to school right now, actually. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, he's killing it though. He he was uh, when he lived in Austin. Uh, he was 
running one of Ron Thomas's show teams for a while. Okay. Uh, and that was when Ronnie had moved back to State College, so he was actually doing a lot of shows on the road with those guys before he started Roth Rock and all that with Jamie. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, he ended up, you know, getting married. Well, he had a kid first, and then right, got right, married. Yeah. And uh, they, I think they moved to San Antonio before that, before okay. having a kid. But, um, yeah, he's just, he's going back to school. Okay. He's making moves. Yeah, So awesome. he's pumped. He loves life. Good for him. Yeah. So you settled in Costa Mesa. You're living with Drew Bazanzan and... Uh, Brandon Dosh. Brandon Dosh. Um, dude, that sounds like a good time. It was great. I, I mean, it's still great. Yeah. Those guys don't live with me anymore. But, but so, yeah, those are guys eventually... So this would have been, like, you, you said 2012? Yeah. Um, now, like, Drew's back in Canada. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah Dosh back is in back Canada. in Michigan. Yeah. Well, um, actually, Dosh lives in Ohio. <laughs> oh no shit yeah where does he uh, live in Ohio he lives in Dayton oh. or like maybe it's just north of Dayton doing what uh, he works in a what is it it's like a I think it's a medical distribution facility okay so he works in the warehouse oh okay yeah and I I'm almost positive at Swamp Fest he told me he was going back to school too damn alright yeah man People living the pro-life, going back, getting that education. Doing it. Can't hate on it. Um, so you're still out in, in Costa Mesa. Um, you're still doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Riding-wise. Um, I think so, at least. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I love the posts. Um, tell me a little bit about the wetlands. Um, yeah, the wetlands. Or am I skipping too far ahead? No. You okay. Can, yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, the wetlands, they're uh, kind of the, the, they are the trails that we dig at. Um, so when I first moved uh, to Costa Mesa, I don't think I rode the wetlands until like the end of summer. I didn't even know they existed. They're super close to my house. Well, it's a pretty old spot, right? The place yeah. has been there for a while. Yeah, they have been there for a while. Um, I was like driving out to Riverside to ride heats yeah. every other day. And like, uh, I was driving all over the place. Trying Which to, trying to ride trails. I mean, just from Costa Mesa to Heath's place to yeah. Riverside. It's an hour yeah. drive. Well, it, it could it, be like, and it could be, yeah, it could be four hours. Right. And that was the crazy thing. It's like, dude, middle of summer, like, you have to leave at like sometime before two p.m. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you don't even start riding at Heath's until like seven. You know what I mean, or eight or something like that. Yeah. The wind has to die down. Heat has to go away. Kind of the general thing for California. It's super hot inland. It's like 110 degrees inland in the summer. Yeah. So you got to wait it out. But yeah, I was I was driving all over the place, trying to ride trails. And uh, little did I know, like 20 minutes away, there was a pretty decent set of trails. Um, but yeah, the first time I ever went there, um, Ryan Gutler and uh, Victor Salazar. Uh, told me about them. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come ride. They had been uh, working on them a little bit, uh, just kind of getting them riding because they were pretty much abandoned. Um, I don't think anyone really rode them because the, the first time I went there with them, I was like, who who builds these trails? Who's the dude, you know? Yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, no one. Like, we just kind of came out and just fixed a couple things up so we could ride them. I was like, oh, sick. So I was always like hitting Victor up and seeing like, oh, when are you going out to dig? Like, I'll come help dig, whatever. And and then eventually um, I just 
found myself out there kind of digging a lot by myself. Okay. <laughs> um, but I had started to meet um, a bunch of new people that that I hadn't. Well, I've known in crossing and stuff or in passing by or whatever. But um, I'm realizing that all these people live in Orange County where I live. So I got everyone's numbers and like this is when group texting first came out actually and threw, threw everyone into a group text and I was like hey man like I rode with you guys a couple times at wetlands like just and I know you guys live local or whatever just want to see if you guys just want to like start a group of friends and hang out and like I don't know dig at the trails and drink beer or whatever you know what I yeah, mean yeah and uh they were like yeah that sounds cool and we just started going out there more and more who's the normal crew out there uh, these days? Yeah. Um, myself, uh, Justin McClintock, who is originally a racer, but has become a lot more comfortable um, in freestyle now. McShittalk? Is yeah, that what you call it? Yeah, McShittalk. Okay. Yeah, yeah Justin McShittalk. Uh, another friend of ours, we call, he's called on the Instagram, he is The Fit Model. Okay. Uh, his name is Luke Jacobsma. Uh, super awesome dude. He's always out there digging. Everyone has a nickname, basically. Um, our, our other buddy from uh, from Redding, California, his name is The Kook. The Kook. He go, his real name is Travis Kaiser. Okay. Uh, and then we get uh, guys like Nick Sawyer, who comes out, who you know is a, yeah. a really well-known artist. Um, who else have we got out there? We've got, we, we have a couple younger guys. There's only... We had like a really big scene of younger guys that were out there, but they've all kind of dissipated, just like started going to college and getting jobs and stuff. But uh, one of the kids that's come through like super solid, his name's Jared Tipton. Uh, we call him Jerry though. Okay. <laughs> he's Jerry. Um, but yeah, Jared, he's, I think he's 19. Okay. So but he, he, has a, he has like a pretty demanding job now. And, and he goes to school still. Um, but, dude, he, he loves riding. And he, he doesn't care about doing crazy tricks or anything. He's got a really good bag of tricks. But, uh, but he comes out and rides when he can. And then, uh, do you know Jonathan Kakawa? He goes by the name of Pedro. Uh, yeah. 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 So he comes out a lot. Uh, Hucker, Hucker? Is, okay. has been pretty solid. Since Hucker's gotten married, he's uh, way more reliable now. So oh, wow. you can hit him up for a session, and sixty uh, percent of the time, it works every time. Wow! So, <laughs> but yeah, we have a pretty good crew. Um, there's a couple mountain bike kids that come out too. Okay. Um, yeah, the scene's pretty good, and and we're constantly having, you know, world travelers out there. People hit us up on Instagram; they want to come ride the trails and. Uh, we welcome them with open arms. Yeah, that's great. So we always have people coming out, and it's funny. A lot of a lot of people that are always traveling, they want to come out. They're like, "Want well, to come out and dig?" And I'm like, "No, just come out and ride." Like, right, right. Be fun. Um, we're gonna go in a different direction here because I have I have to talk about or I have to ask about the front flip over <laughs> the fence, um, or. Not over the fence, clearly. <laughs> Onto it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, have you told that story a lot? Oh, oh, let me tell you. Okay. Well, I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, my, I was, uh, no, I don't, 
endorse uh, driving and, uh, <laughs> and Instagramming. <laughs> but I, I was at a stoplight and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my God. And I started driving and I'm like, oh my God. Like I had to pull over. I pulled over and I started texting you and asking you questions. <laughs> Can you take me through that whole thing with the, the, the flip onto the fence? I can, yeah. Um, so the, I, I wouldn't say it was really an obsession, but I guess the original obsession of wanting to just do something gnarly over the fence started when um, the guys were filming for the market video. And I was there one day riding with Ronnie, Dennis, uh, Jeff, Jeff Slatterly was in, in Jeff's part, he uh, threed over the fence. Was it the same day? No, or this is when no, the, the seed is, was planted. This is, yeah, this is but yeah, this is when the seed was planted. Okay, this is okay. Back in like 2012, I think. Okay. When, when they came up to film, and uh, yeah, Jeff took this sick line, ripped some bowl corners, got a bunch of speed, and threed over the fence. And I was like, dang, that's sick. And and before that, people have jumped over the fence, and I don't think anyone's ever threed over it besides Jeff, but um, people have definitely gone over the fence and jumped it. You know, there's a kind of like a landing on the other side if you if you make it far enough (laughs) um so i'm not the best at like putting web edits out okay um i've never my whole life growing up i've um had this like thing where people don't really have cameras right yeah so i've never been like a huge filmer i guess but I was filming for a video part, which happens like once every four years or something <laughs> for me. <laughs> and um, and that was like one of the things on the list. I was like, I got to go there and I, I got to like front flip over the fence. That's just what I have to do. Yeah. I don't know. I had it in my head. So uh, Nathan Sykes was filming as for uh, Colony. And I had, I was like, Nathan, today's the day. We're going to the cement park. Like I'm. And I had been going there for like a week or two, just like ripping lines around the bowl, trying to find the fastest line. I had three different um, ways of getting speed to go over the fence. And I showed them all to Nathan. I was like, which one do you think is the fastest? And he was like, honestly, I think you just pedaling fast around the bowl and dropping in is, is the fastest way. And the thing about it was like the line that Jeff took um, – he was able to take that line because he threed over the fence like diagonally mm-hmm. um, as to where when you do front flips, they get kind of crazy if you go across something. Okay. They're a very linear trick unless like you've seen styles like uh, Mason or, or Daniel Durs where they have the crazy like sideways flip. I think that was Ronnie unclipping out of his okay. Peloton. Um, but yeah, for me, because I do front flips so straight, um, when you drift on them, it makes it feel uncontrollable in a, in a sense. So I had to pick a line that was going to go straight over the, like just straight over that thing. Um, so that was kind of like, I guess my handicap going into it, but yeah, Nathan was like, dude, they're all pretty similar, but I think like you can get away with just dropping in and doing it. And I was like, all right, cool. That's what I'm going to do. So I had to done like 30 laps trying to get like, I'm going pretty, pretty fast around the bowl. In the video, it kind of just looks like I'm cruising, but like I'm going kind of fast and then 
dropping into it, I get like a good power crank in to like hop in. And I, I probably did it 30 times, like just trying to get that perfect bunny hop where like I roll the coping and like get the massive pump at the bottom. And I told Nathan, I was like, just keep filming. When I get this, I'm, I'm just going to go and do it, you know? And keep in mind also, I, I have never even jumped the fence. So you didn't jump it straight at all? No. You're just going to go straight into I the front I was like, flip. I'm not jumping it. I'm just going to front flip the Jesus. fence. I, I'm not trying to jump the fence and then come back in. I, didn't, I really didn't want the attention. And what's weird is like I think over, over time for some reason, I get a little bit more like anxious riding in front of people. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. It's super weird. Have you ever had that? Um, it's yeah. It's like hit or miss. I get a yeah. I get a weird like anxiety thing. So the last thing I want to do is jump the fence and then draw people like to the session. Okay. Because I don't really want people watching me do it for whatever reason. It's annoying when you're like trying to film something. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that was part of it too. Um. But yeah, I just, dude, I dropped in and I was like, yep, this is the one. Dropped in, pumped. So when I went off the lip, literally as soon as I left the lip, I knew that I got the wrong pop. <laughs> so going off the lip, I was like, oh man, like I'm, I'm higher than I need to be. Like I just felt it, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I, I got like the front flip pop instead of like the push through that I was looking for. Well, and, yeah, you're coming out of a bowl. Yeah. And yeah, in the bowl, I think, I think that's probably a six foot quarter that I came out of too. It's, With coping. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to tell cause it's in a bowl corner and the, the deep one is like 10 or something. And, um, yeah, but I knew instantly. So as I'm front flipping and I see the sky, I'm like, all right, I have an idea that the fence is somewhere below me. <laughs> but I've done so many front flips that I kind of, I, I feel like I have almost have eyes in the back of my head. I know what's going on underneath me. Yeah. Even on a dirt jump, like if I'm doing a front flip on like a big first set, I can hold, I can hold the fronty out as long as I want to the point where like, I don't know if you've seen like a lot of dudes do front flips. I Well, you have, but you see them come in hot sometimes. And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, they're on their front wheel, super heavy. Yeah. I have it to the point where like I can land back wheel like right on that knuckle and just roll smooth onto my front wheel. Yeah. So I knew the fence was going to be there. As I came around, it was like all the all the dots connected. I was like, okay, I'm going to land on the fence, but my legs are in the right spot like it just all like i don't know it just all lined up weird like and i was, I just stayed super calm because in past experiences like i know if i let go of the bike my body's gonna s speed up yeah if i just hold on to the bike like i can just kind of ride out whatever's happening you know um so i held on to the bike and i got lucky and i landed short enough on the fence that um the spikes didn't impale me like through my actual body yeah so i landed like behind the crossbar and the spikes and my legs just went right through the slots Jeez. and my bike was i held on my bike the whole time yeah so it just like whoop, bike on one side of the fence my body on the other side and my legs through the slots 
And uh, I was tripping. The luckiest. <laughs> yeah, the luckiest. Shit ever. I mean, obviously, it sounded like you were in control. Like, even when stuff was going wrong, you could still see that you knew where you yeah. were at and you knew what to do. You I, don't let go of the bike. I was super calm the whole time because I, I knew, I, like I said, I knew what was happening. And I knew the only way to deal with it was to stay calm. So I did, and I came around, and it and it worked out. I knew if I had let go of that bike, like my, I probably would have put my chest through one of those things. Dude, you know, it could have gone so bad so many in so ways. many different ways. Yeah. Did here's a follow up question to something I saw on Instagram. Did Matt Berenger send you that shirt, the oh Metallica shirt? Yeah. Did he send it to you? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And the Metallica shirt's really crazy because. Um, By think, the way, what does the shirt say? Uh, metal up your ass. Okay. So, Metal Up Your Ass was supposed to be um, the name of their first album, I think. Metallica's first album. Okay. And the record label thought it was too gnarly. Okay. So, they changed it to... I, I can't remember what the first album was. Yeah, I don't know the dis- discography there. Yeah. Um, but they changed it. And when they changed it, they already had like some shirts or merchandise or something. So that shirt's like kind of a gnarly like collector's item. I oh think. wow! Okay. And um, and yeah, dude, Matt just like messaged me one day. Dude, from one front like, flipper to the next. Yeah, like, that's right. And that and that was like, dude, I got a trophy. You know, dude, I seriously. literally I took it. I took it to the craft store. Uh, he he wrote like some stuff on it, signed it, and I took it to the craft store and got it framed up super nice. Damn. And now it's on my wall. Dude, how sick is Dude, that? It's so sick. It wow. is so sick. That's, I mean, Matt Berenger's like, I mean, he's been legend status for so long. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember seeing that on his Instagram, like, oh, I'm going to send you this shirt. And it was the shirt, the metal up your ass. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if he's, if he's like just talking. Because it doesn't seem like something Berenger would want to get rid of. Right. Yeah. Because he's, you know, a huge Metallica fan. Dude, but, I was, yeah, I was tripping on that Dude, for that's sure. Sick. But yeah, he sent it and I was like, all right, man, he sent it. I'm like, I'm going to frame it up. Because he messaged, he was like, if I sent this to you, like, would you be psyched? Would you keep it or whatever? I'm like, hell yeah, I would. But yeah. Most definitely. Why what, would I not? Yeah, what are you going to do? Use it as like an oil rag or something? Yeah, exactly. So as soon as I got it, I like, I went and got it framed and I, you know, I sent him the photo. I was like, I told you, man, like send it to Damn, him on my wall, it. you know? Why didn't you post? Did you put that up? Anywhere? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess you missed it. Yeah, I did post it somewhere. I can't remember if I put it on my story or I I might have put it on my actual feed. Okay. Damn, that's sick. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> it's funny. I go like almost uh, I go like from the on my notes here. It's like front flip near death experience and then marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any segue in between anything. Or actually, it went marriage <laughs> to front flip fence near death experience. But um, so the clip, the the front flip clip. Um, we were talking about this before, like you had that licensed, is that right? Yeah. So that you would actually get paid for the clip so that if it got used elsewhere, um, you would get paid for it. Yep. Um, and what was the process like with that whole thing? Because I think so many people put gnarly shit online without ever thinking like, oh, this could go viral or this could get like some serious exposure and they kind of get gypped on it. Totally. Um, and we were talking about uh, Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. Kind of got gypped on that yeah. uh, that big launch where he like yeah, gapped the, off the, the bike, bike the, the bike other transfer. One. Yeah. Um, in this day and age, I think it's a good skill to know like how to license that 
it is totally sort of thing. and and after that too and um you know i've been pretty vocal that like i got it licensed and did all that stuff before setting it free yeah. into the wild oh yeah um but yeah i've had a lot of different pros now like hit me up just asking about it and it's a super easy process um i use a company called juke and media uh j-u-k-i-n and uh it's super easy honestly you can just go right online on their website and submit like whatever you got your video and if it's crazy enough they'll kind of get back at you okay but i um I had I had worked on some other videos in the past before and I had a contact there and I just emailed them and I can't remember if they didn't work there anymore but they someone else got back to me from them and I was like hey I know you get people saying this all the time I was like I have uh, clips licensed with you guys already I was like but I have some crazy shit <laughs> on my hands yeah they're like, all right, yeah, just send it over. We'll see what it was. Ten minutes later, I yeah, we want it, we want it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Um, it's super simple, honestly. <clears throat> I have like a like a 60-40 deal. Um, I get 60% of um, the payment and they get 40. Um, but it's essentially like having uh, an agent. Yeah. Um, they do all the hard work and they put it into places that I wouldn't be able to get it. Like on the Ellen DeGeneres show? Exactly, which yeah. that was on there today. Yeah. And still, it's a year and some change from that. And dude, it goes through these waves. And, and I can uh, I see when the waves hit because of Instagram. Okay. So there will be a month where like I don't see anything or hear anything about from flipping onto a fence. And then next month, everything I get tagged in is me on a fence <laughs> and I'm like all right I'm making some money right now like Damn. I know I'm making money that's so it. smart because yeah. people just get so excited when they have a good clip like I'm gonna put this on Instagram it's gonna get all these likes and everything but you never think like oh shit it's gonna wind up on the Ellen show the biggest television show in the world right yeah and like that would suck if you didn't see any any money from it like that yeah uh, that's and that's such a good thing for like and in, in this day and age because everything's social media anyone to know yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, today it was on the Ellen show. It was on Ridiculousness earlier in the year. And then when it hit, it was on Sports Center and uh, NBC or something like that. I don't know. It was oh, everywhere. That's funny. It was all over the place. That's funny. Yeah. But oh. it, ta- it takes about a week or two. Okay. It's super short time. I think I got mine done in like a week or in like a day or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, and then. I, when it actually dropped, I had no idea that it was going to drop because I didn't want to post it on my end until I saw someone pick it up. Okay. Uh, and I don't know why I did that. I don't, I don't think it really matters. It's just the way I did it. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was driving up to Woodward West to, uh, I don't know, probably just to ride or whatever, but I was driving up there and I just started getting tagged in all this stuff. I'm like, what is happening? And I literally had to pull over on the highway and I was like, oh, man, I better I better get this posted. Because the one person that, that, like, the first person out of all people, Mark Webb, because he <laughs> always finds everything crazy on the inter- internet somehow. Okay. Um, he posted it on his thing, and he was like, this is the craziest shit ever. Who is this? Or whatever. And uh, and I was like, oh, boy, I better, I better post yeah, it. Yeah, get in front of it. Yeah, so I pulled over, post it, and then... 
just spread like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, oh, shit. All right. Let's talk about marriage. <laughs> um, good segue, right? Well, the wife made me promise that I would never attempt to do the fence front flip again. That's so funny. That could be our segue right there. Oh, okay. So was there any... Yeah. Did your wife ever say that you should do that again? Yeah, um, she was... Uh, what's funny about that is uh, I don't think she realized... Like, I literally, we filmed that clip, and I was still at the skate park, and I texted it to her. And I was like, look what just happened. And she just sent me a bunch of laughing things. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, wow. And, and it wasn't until it, it went viral that it, like, hit her. And she was like, you could have died. Yeah. Da, da, da. What are you thinking? I'm like, how didn't you realize this at the beginning? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've known... I've known your wife for a long time. You have. Very, it's, it's really cool to have known both of you now for very long. I, I've known her longer than I've known you. Uh, yeah, you probably have. Um, it's very cool when you know, two good people come together. So I just you know, wanted to give a shout out to Joy <laughs> and uh, say hi. And, and we're having a good time. We're drinking wine. What's and up, Joy? We're talking oh, about hi. everything. Oh, yeah, that's it. right. I forget. I always forget yeah, we're filming we're, on yeah. YouTube, too. Um, <laughs> I always tell Joy, or, I, or I'll say that this about Joy a lot. I've known Joy through a lot of different hairstyles. <laughs> like, I'll be like, hey, Joy, remember when you had those braids? And she's like, yep. yeah, I remember that. I keep trying to get her to bring those back. Dude, the, yeah. the brat braids. The brat. Kind of like, you know, the, the rapper. I think she had braids like that. That must have been like, oh, one. I just remember in Florida, she had the, the red braids. Yeah. I was like, whoa, what's up, Joy? <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm going to give a shout out. Um, <laughs> So what's um, let's let's you know bring this up to now. What do you got going on now? Are you still talking about married life or not? Uh, no, I just wanted to give a shout out. Like, well, married uh, life's good. Just so you guys know. Oh yeah, well, dude. Um, let's. Uh, right now you're you're riding for Wiener Schnitzel. I am. Yeah. How do you get that deal? Um. Well, if I can be so blunt. Yeah. No. Totally. Um. It was actually. Brought to my attention by another rider, Andy Buckworth. Um, he approached me. Has Andy been on Wiener Schnitzel for yeah. a while? Yeah, so, uh, and a lot of people don't really know it, but Wiener Schnitzel has been in action sports for a good five or six years. They started um, in Supercross, and they've just branched out to everywhere surfers, mountain bikers, BMXers, skaters. Um, yeah. Could you give them my email? I can, yeah. Okay. Pick you up, dog. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so I think Andy probably rode for them for about five years when he approached me. And this is, um, I think this is maybe going on two years ago. Oh, no, yeah, it's, it's a little more than a year ago. Um, he approached me at one of the Toyota Triple Crown events. and was like, hey, man, like, I've been talking to Wiener Schnitzel about adding another BMX dude. Is it something that you'd be interested in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would love to sit down and chat about it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I went into their office, which oddly enough is like 10 minutes from my house, <laughs> and uh, sat down with the CEO and president. And uh, it, it's just super cool. I, I was. I was stoked on it as soon as I walked through the door because uh, they're a family-owned company. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and 
I've had experience with uh, family-owned like corporate companies in the past, and they're always the best experience because you don't really have to go through like a chain of command to get things done. And uh, growing into the relationship, you just become you, you just you're able to trust each other because you're like friends, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool because I can pitch kind of different projects and stuff and and they get psyched and they either want to do it or they don't you know yeah so i'm i'm actually doing like a bowl jam yeah but yeah the jam coming up this at the Tuesday. california training facility yeah right? yeah oh that's right so um yeah i'm super pumped on on that i've got like a bunch of different sponsors throwing gear for product toss and wiener schnitzel's bringing down uh like a food cart and stuff to cater the event and got the our bmx guys to come out and film it and shoot photos and so yeah it's just cool it's just people i don't know just bringing people together well yeah and now more than ever it's important to do stuff like that and for riders to get involved and and put on events and yeah and yeah really do something and and give back because i mean it's you know these are strange times yeah totally and and they were pretty psyched too because um believe it or not i kind of do a lot of shows here and there i do shows for asa I do shows with Micah Kranz and especially more more shows now with Micah in Division because uh, he has that big airbag ramp thing now. I notice it. Is that thing fun to ride? Dude, it's so much fun. Is it like a big resi or is it? It is, yeah. Okay. So it's uh, we drag the airbag, airbag out and then uh, we have three sheets of resi that we put down on. We overlap them with the big one in the middle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just blow that thing up and party. It's seriously awesome. You've been doing those with uh, Saavedra, right? I have, yeah. Awesome. Yep. It's funny because uh, Saavedra, just, he seems like such a hardcore trail dude, but he can do all those tricks. Oh, he's huh? got moves. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's stoked. And, and it was fun riding with him, too, because he had like a really bad injury not too long ago uh, with his leg. Yeah, I remember. A few he, years ago. He did that at Hazelwood. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it was fun like being on the rolling because we... We actually do have like a lot of similar kind of big tricks. He can, you know, flip whips and front flips for oh, yeah. handers yeah. and stuff like that. So it was fun like getting him doing that stuff again. You That's know? sick. Yeah. Yeah. He was pumped. Um, well, let's. What are your plans for this year? What are the plans for the future? Yeah, this year's actually um, this year's been pretty crazy so far. Um, I've been pretty nonstop. Actually, last year really never ended into this year. I went on a trip to Argentina uh, in December last year. Came home on like December 18th and flew straight to the East Coast to do Christmas here. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back home, it was like right on to the next thing. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been doing doing a lot of shows, so that's been really really good this year. Um, I am. And you've been doing like the contests and stuff. That you yeah, you yeah. were out in uh, yeah, Denver been, recently. Yep. yep. The, and the first one's in Anaheim, so it's like basically my backyard. Yeah. So I've been doing the uh, those contests, and then are those things pretty good? Those dirt contests, are they hit or miss? They're hit and miss. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think Anaheim would have been really good, but the weather leading up to it was really bad. Okay. So the jumps just, dude. Adam and those dudes did their best. Yeah. Um. And even a Denver was really awesome, but dude, yeah, it snowed. Those guys, yeah, yeah, those guys got hit with, besides like a tornado or an earthquake or a natural disaster, those <laughs> guys got hit with every element they ever could have this year. 
building those things. Well, that's what you get in Colorado. It's like it could be totally. like the nicest day in the world, and then the next day it could like blizzard. Yeah, when I showed up in Colorado, cause, so going back to like the division shows with the airbag ramp, um, Micah owns that Roland now for okay. those shows. Yeah. So um, with that, that Roland goes to those contests too. So I was kind of in charge of, um, well, at least for Denver, I was in charge of taking the Roland from Southern California to Denver. So I drove it with Alex Landeros to Denver and set everything up. The day we got there, 70 degrees. I was like putting sunscreen on, sweating, yeah. riding all the uh, public dirt parks and stuff. Yeah. And then it snows for two days. <laughs> but it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I've been... Uh, doing those contests, I'm actually going to Feast in Montpelier. Oh yeah, up. they have a dirt contest. Yeah, too. so Damn, I got that all um, booked and stuff last week. Um, doing this event, and then I come back actually from that, and I have two more of those airbag shows on the East Coast here. So I'll be back. Where actually, on the East Coast? Um, in one in New Jersey and one in Massachusetts. Okay. So what is it? Is it Foxborough, New Jersey, or is that Foxborough is Massachusetts? Okay. Yeah. And then um, I'm spacing the city for uh, for New Jersey. But okay. It's like the same. So basically, those mo- it's for Monster Jam. Yeah. So those Monster Jam tours follow like the Supercross stops as well. Okay. So it's at whatever stadium that is in New Jersey, MetLife maybe. Okay. But um, yeah, I got that and then I'll be back here. Ronnie's actually gonna do those shows. Oh, no. So that's gonna be sweet. Will his back be able to hold up I hope to so. the challenge? <laughs> I mean, where is he at? He's in the, he's in the kitchen okay. hurting, probably putting ice on Ice his in back. the back. Um, but yeah, I've got those. So I'm gonna try and do like a week of uh, visiting pro out at Woodward. And usually, when I go to Woodward, I gather a bunch of product and stuff from sponsors and stuff that wants to give out free stuff, and I'll hold like little mini contests um, at camp. Um, but with everything that's going on, I don't think I have time to pull product together for it all. So it's kind of tough, but, um, but I'm still gonna go out to camp and have fun and, and ride with oh, yeah. the kids. Um, and the reason I'm here now is because uh, Woodward hired me to come out and kind of revamp all their dirt stuff. So just kind of get in there. I did um, all the BMX stuff for dirt. I did, they have like a beginner mountain bike course mm-hmm. that I redid. And then they have a pro slope style course. So it was uh, me, Brent Heil, um, Ever, Peacock. Yeah, yeah. And Tyler Truman. Okay. And uh, actually Chase Pazu helped out a lot too. Nice. So we did all that the last two weeks. Today was the last day we finished everything up and did all that. Um, This year, Woodward is putting a Park City edition in. Yeah, I just heard about that. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you remember, I I went to uh, Riviera, Mexico. Yeah. uh, For three months and and built. So we're gonna be doing that again in Park City. So I'm pretty excited for that. I, I kind of really enjoy doing that and like learning all that stuff. Yeah. So It sounds like you're super busy, which is great. I am, yeah. Like it's great that a, a, a pro bike rider like yourself that's been around for so long is still like so active yeah, in, in our sport and yeah, still killing it. I'm definitely packing things in right now. And then I'll be going back and forth to um, 
to different things from Park City as well. Um, I've got uh, some stuff going on with X Games this year where I'm, I, I don't know if I'll be writing X Games yet, but um, whether, either way, I'm uh, helping them out with some stuff. I'm just doing a little bit of athlete communication on the dirt side between what the riders want and how they want it built and kind of communicate that and overlook some, some things and, and help with uh, building the course kind of the week before. Okay, so you're like an athlete liaison. Yeah, basically. Much. It's yeah. something that Dave King and I talked about um, last year at X Games. And, uh, and then we went a step farther and kind of talked to Brian Kerr about it and he was pumped, so we're rocking and rolling with that too. That's right. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Just. I don't know. I've kind of just been dabbling into like weird, random, new things here and there, just to. Well, you kind of have to. This ain't this ain't 2006 where you can just ride ride out the do tour for a year and. I know I be... can't I can't front flip no hand all the way to the bank, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> gotta work a little bit more. But that's rad. I'm I'm really stoked. Uh, I'm really. I mean, yeah. This is, this is weird to say, but I'm very proud of you. Ah, oh, thanks. Man. For you know, watching you come up as the skate park grom previous Flatlander <laughs> to uh, being where you are at now and, and still being so active in the sport and still killing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm stoked. And, and uh, I've been riding a lot of mountain bike stuff too. It's something kind of my, my brother got me psyched on. I noticed on. that, yeah. yeah. So I'm like fully into that. I actually went to a mountain bike event last year um, called Fest Series. It was called Black Sage. It was in uh, Oregon. Mm -hmm. so, oh, I know all about it. Yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah, so I uh, after that... Uh, Graham Aggie sent me some stuff to get me going on a 26 inch uh, downhill setup to build for Fest Series. So I got that all built up and I plan on going to at least one of those events this year. For sure the, the Oregon one, but I really want to go to Europe for this other one called Loose Fest. Oh yeah. And, uh, and ride that one. But we'll just see where those dates fall yeah but dude, that loose fest was that the one where they're like doing trains with the motorcycles yeah was it that? oh man yeah. that looks so gnarly yeah they're so and the and the mountain bike dudes are so rad too. yeah they're awesome to hang out with and be around and and uh they're just super welcoming and cool yeah um but yeah i've, I've i'm kind of in the best shape of my life right now i've just been like riding mountain bikes non non-stop like i'll I'm kind of an early riser, so I'll wake up and hit like a couple hour uh, MTB ride at home. We have so, it's unbelievable how many trail spots there are mm -hmm. for riding mountain bikes where I live. I can, I can ride a different, I can ride a different trail at one spot like every day of the week, but I could ride like a million other different spots during the week too. Like I've, ne I'll never hit all the trails that are, yeah. that are in our area. But um, yeah, it's cool. I I kind of enjoy the climbing aspect. You, I think, on average, I probably climb like seventeen hundred feet a day. Damn, that sounds. But um, but dude, I I think it helps a lot being a BMX rider. You have a lot of imbalances because the way our feet are. Yeah. Um, we're stuck in that one front foot forward for for life. Oh yeah. Um, and I think just all that pedaling really helps out. I had like a kind of a gnarly back situation last year and I was like really just kind of struggling. Like I noticed it started like last May and then last year in May. And then 
by the time like October and November rolled around, I like I went to finally went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But I have two like degenerate degenerative discs in my L4 and L5. Um, so for those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically when the disc starts dissolving between your bones, and eventually it will just if you don't catch it in the early phases, it will completely dissolve. And then once you're bone on bone, not only will you be in an extreme amount of pain, but your spine will start to fuse together on its own. Oh, jeez. It's like just straight up arthritis, right? Is it... I, yeah, I guess. When, once, you're, once you're bone on bone, it starts to become arthritic. Okay. And then it'll fuse. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of prolong it. And even now, there's surgeries that you can have. They're more, um, the percentage rate for success is more, is, is greater having like a disc replaced in your neck. Okay. Um, they can insert uh, artificial discs now. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I've heard of that, yeah. So um, I had looked in, into all that and stuff, but for uh, lower like lumbar discs, uh, the success rate isn't as high yet. So hopefully, well, hopefully I never have to have surgery for it. But yeah. um, if I do, hopefully the everything will have progressed even farther by then. Yeah. I feel like medical procedures progress really fast now. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Especially with all the stem cell stuff and everything else you can do. Yeah, it's amazing what they can do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I was battling with that. But once, once I uh, started mountain bike riding mountain bikes like it just strengthened strengthened me up really good yeah <laughs> so you're in the best shape of your life right now you say i really feel like i am yeah, yeah it's awesome. pretty crazy at yeah. the age of uh 33 33 damn. i am 33 yeah. nice yeah oh, it's a good time to be in great shape then i know ronnie's in dude ronnie's a beast i i get pumped like when i come here it's the stuff that we ride here is completely different from what i ride in uh california yeah it's very like rocky here, sharp rocks, mm-hmm. and they move, and they're wet, and there's leaves, and <laughs> there's a lot of elements. Um, but I try my best to keep up with them. But when I go back home, I'm like an even better rider than I was yeah. when I left. But yeah, Ronnie's a beast. He's he can like he. I think he just dangles me along. Like I can keep up with him. I think. But I'm pretty sure he could just leave me in an instant. <laughs> That's nice of him. That is nice of him. We're talking about you, Ronnie. Ronnie's in the other room. Oh, okay. Well, shout out to Ronnie. Thanks for letting us occupy your living room. Ronnie's rocking a ponytail right now. Thank you. We were trying to get him. We were trying to get him in here. Ronnie, what's that? You saved me any wine? Uh, yeah, there's a yeah, there's some. You want some of this Sarlos and son? You want to jump in here and get some FaceTime? I don't want people to see this pony. Oh, bro. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the top knot. Yeah. There Boom. You go. That's like almost a... Well, if it was red. All right. Nah, that's, that's like it. a whiskey pour right there. Since we're done with the wine, should we, should we end it on that note? Uh, I was thinking we could break it over our head like Lou Bickle, but... <laughs> Youngstown's finest, speaking of... <laughs> Uh, no, what else you got, man? Th- that's the end of my notes. We were kind of freestyling it. Oh, all right. Yeah, my actually last question was like, do you ever see yourself moving back east? That was oh, my, my there final we go. thing. There we go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 50-50 on, it, on everything. I, 
I really want to move back east because Ronnie's starting a family. Oh, yeah. he has a he has a family. I have a niece. Family is starting. He has a wife. He's got one that could literally come out of the oven like any minute. Dude, I literally know. I, I can't minute. believe he let me stay here tonight. <laughs> I was like, dude, this baby's gonna be here any day. Like when I got here and I, I said to Kelsey, I'm like, what do you guys do? She goes Thursday. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. So, um, you know, I'm missing. I mean, I literally. Ronnie and I are on uh, the phone FaceTiming every day. So I see why, but it's not the same, you know? No, I got you. So I, I'm definitely missing out on that. Um, the, the, real, the real hurdle is getting Joy to leave California. Yeah, and she's like Mrs. California. She is Mrs. California. <laughs> so that, that's the real hurdle. Um, and she is... She's kicking some serious ass right now at home too. She she's worked at Fox for like twelve years, okay. maybe longer. At this point, I think it's twelve though. And um, she got a new promotion, taking on new roles. So she is just uh, she's a workhorse. She's one to be reckoned with right now. <laughs> I barely see her anymore. Right. Even when I'm home. Right. Uh, I don't see her. She's on almost on the same schedule as me. I get up early and leave and go do my thing, and she goes to work. And then I ride the sunset session at the trails, and we kind of meet at home at the same time. <laughs> she literally works all day long. It's crazy. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's that's the main hurdle is, is convincing right. her one day. But I'm afraid it might be too late by the time she gets convinced. <laughs> well, we'll see. I'd like to have you back east, personally. Oh, thanks. I, um, dude, that would be sick. It would be good to catch some everyday sessions like the good old days. Yeah, man. I mean, we're going to have a good session tomorrow. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. What time do you want to ride? Whenever you want to ride. All right. I mean... I'll be awake. Yeah, all right. Cool. <laughs> well, can't wait. Be a good session. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on my podcast, dude, man. thank you for having me. Super psyched. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan. I listen to them all. I do, I will admit, I have some catching up to do on a lot of podcasts right now because I've just been elbows deep in the dirt for two weeks straight. That's fine, man. But uh, I love it. Your, uh, yours, your podcast's on the top of my list. Dude, so. thanks, man. Yeah. We're going to end it with that. With that. <laughs> <laughs>